Amen. Take your Bibles. I trust you have your outlines. If not, you can slip out in the front and get one there real quick on the table. But uh, we're going to continue the series, Defeating the Weapons of Self-Destruction. I believe we will finish up today. That's the plan. Now, we talked about the world says that we are to dress for success. As a matter of fact, you know, since I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, I've been looking around, and everywhere I've looked, you know, you see something that has something to do with it. I saw a truck go by and had dressed for success. I said, what about that, you know? But God wants us to dress appropriately, but in a spiritual application. Now, I know that there, there might be a benefit in that dressing for success. And we talked about if you're going to the bank, you know, you'd want to wear your nicest clothes you had or whatever. You're going to get a loan. Or, and there's something to that. And, you know, the Bible says that bodily exercise profited little, you know. And, uh, and, and you know, there's, there's a profit in that. But we, when you go into the spiritual end of the things of God, when you really are zeroing in on the things of God. So what does that look like for us in this perspective? And we talked about in Ephesians 4, and 24, it says, Paul's letter says that you put on, or I'm sorry, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, and that you put on the new man. So there's certain things that we take off. There's certain things that we put on when we come to Jesus. In other words, our conduct, you know, we don't, we don't talk like we used to. And many of us had to learn a new vocabulary when we come to Jesus. That's okay. And, and we start a new, uh, new life. And we begin to put on the things of God. We talk about seven weapons of self-destruction. It's shame, uncontrolled thoughts, compulsion, fear, hopelessness, bitterness, insecurity, and then last week, we talked about the antidote. We started with the antidote of that, uh, uh, of ways and means that we can overcome these, these uh, destructive things that kind of pull us down. And the first scripture that we gave you was Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, and it says, and, and now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ. Aren't you glad that there's no condemnation if you're in Jesus this morning? In other words, God's not pointing a finger at you today. That's not where God is. That's not where God says there's no condemnation. And we talked about three things that one needs to defeat the weapons of self-destruction. And we're going to finish the other uh, four today. And the three was, I must remind myself daily what Jesus did for me. In other words, on a daily basis, i got to remind myself what Jesus did for me. How many of you know that Calvary covers it all? Amen? We can't add anything to what God's already done. God's done it. We just have to receive it and walk in it. Number two, we said we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us better thoughts. Uh, some things we cannot change, but we can change our mindset. There's some things that's happened to you in the past, and you can't change your past, but you can change how you think about your past and, and the way that you operate in that, okay? So you can change your mindset. And number three, we said, I must realize I have a new ability to say no. God gives you an ability to say no. And there's certain things that you just say no. I, that, that, I don't go there. Galatians 5.16, let the Spirit direct your lives and you will not satisfy the desires of the old human nature. So what does it say? It's saying that if I let the Spirit live through me, you know, these desires, I can say no to them because greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. I can say no to that. I'm not, I'm not going there. Now, you will be tempted. You will have trials. You will go through storms. But you can say no when the enemy comes around and tries to tempt you. Somebody say amen to that. And we need to understand that. So number four, write this down in your notes, the new one. I need to turn my thoughts to God whenever I'm afraid. And folks, folks, if there's one thing that, that's going to come your way as a Christian, fear is going to always come your way knocking at your door, trying to get in your life. Fear, all kinds of fear, financial fear, relational fear, uh, fear of uh, uh, you know, not being able to make it, fear of this or fear of that. So 
the fourth antidote, these weapons of self-destruction, I remind myself every day, again, what Jesus did for me. I ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts. I realize I'm a new ability to say no. And then I turn my thoughts. I turn my thoughts uh, to God whenever that I'm afraid. In other words, fear is going to come, but I've got to turn my thoughts toward God when fear comes, you know. And we talked about that. Now, look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. I want you to turn there. And this is how God's Spirit sets me free from the attitude of fear. And I want you to look at this scripture, Romans 8, 14. It says, for the Spirit of God gives, uh, gives you, does not make you slaves. For the, Spirit, uh, for the Spirit God gives you does not make you slaves and calls you to be afraid. Instead, everybody say instead. Instead, the Spirit makes you God's children. Think about it. And by the Spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, my Father. Now, this is the actual, in the Arabic uh, word here, Abba. And Abba is not a, a group, okay? Abba means daddy. Abba means papa. Abba means daddy. And, and it's the most basic, intimate form of father or daddy. And God wants you to know that you are in his kingdom. Now, how many of you, I don't, I don't know about you, but I had a father that there was a, uh, and I remember distinctly one time that, you know, I went out on the porch and this huge German shepherd dog, it's the biggest dog I've ever seen. Matter of fact, the biggest German shepherd dog I've ever seen was that, that day. And he had come up on our porch, and I, I think it was kind of cold out, and just to get warm and come up on our porch. And I went out on the porch, and man, I just, was paralyzed in fear and the dog looked at me and I looked at him and I tell you what I just about melted in my tracks like ah I thought it was going to be a, a hot dog you know <laughs> been eaten by this dog you know it's like ah you're like oh my goodness and my dad heard me and automatically come out the door with his fist balled up and I'll tell you what that dog lickety split and I've never seen it again come on somebody <laughs> It got out of there. You know, my dad was coming. You know, he thought that dog had bit me or something. And, boy, he was chasing that dog. Poor dog. He'd just come up on the porch because it was cold, you know. Scared me, but he didn't scare my daddy. Come on, somebody. And I want to tell you something. You have a daddy this morning that you could call on in times of trouble. Come on, somebody. And your daddy will be there for you. And whatever the situation may be, there's nothing too powerful for God. Come on, somebody. And God will be there for you. Now, when I was a child, I never called out to my mom. It was always my dad. I just seen my dad as the, 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 the tough guy, you know, <laughs> the, the one that can handle the situation. Now, now mom was, had her place. But, you know, when I was in fearful or whatever, I'd always call out to my my dad. I want you to notice this. Stop and focus on this. This is exactly what God tells you to do when you're afraid. Stop focusing on your fear and stop focusing on your father. In other words, don't let the fear paralyze you, but you know, turn to your God, turn to your father God, and when you turn to God, those fears are going to dissipate because let me tell you something, you, you know, fear is has a paralyzing effect if you will continue focusing on the fear. But folks, you don't focus on the fear, you focus on your father. Come on somebody, and you focus on God. So, you know, you begin to cry out to your daddy, and this is what happens, okay? So stop focusing on your fear and start focusing on your father. And the Bible teaches us that the antidote to fear is two things. Write this down. Number one, he says the spirit that God has given you doesn't make you slaves. Now, what does he mean by that? Why does he say that for? I want you to look at this. It doesn't make you afraid, but makes you God's children. Whenever you are afraid, the first thing you need to do is to remember this. Whose family are you a part of? 
So what God is saying is, wait a minute, you're my family. This is my family. And you know what? God says, I'll take up for you. God says, I'll be there for you. God says, when you're in need, I'm going to be there because I am your daddy. You can call me papa. You can call me daddy, and I'll be there for you. Come on, somebody. So we got to remember that we are in the family of God. We're not slaves, but we're part of the family. We're heirs with God, and we're joint heirs with Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches us. So we're in the family of God. Everybody say the family of God. We're in the family of God, and families take care of each other, and there's family protection. And God says, I will protect you. And anybody sees God, uh, God you know, how, how many of you have seen the, the movie Godfather? Let me see, you know, the movie Godfather. You've seen that? Yeah, yeah, you know. And, and uh, you know, do you, you know who I am? Uh, my father is Gusto, and he works for Bruno, and he'll take care of you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's the Godfather. And, and I, I want you to know something. We do have a father that takes care of us. Now, we don't have a godfather, but we have a father that takes care of us. And if you're in in God's family, when you start to be afraid, God says the first thing you need to do is just say, wait a minute. Do you know who my father is? Do you know who my father is? My father is the creator of the universe. My father is God. He's all powerful, okay? He's the creator of this universe. My father is God. Wow. Can you imagine that? How many of you know that when you were, you know, growing up, you know, it's kind of like maybe you couldn't take care of something, but your daddy could. Come on, somebody. And you'd always run to your daddy. And that's what we need to do. We need to run to our daddy because he'll take care of you. So when you're afraid, you remember whose family that you're in. You're a child of God, okay? And what are you most afraid of? You, you know the number one fear of most people have. I know all of these studies, people say that there's fear of heights and there's fear of speaking in front of people and there's fear of new social situations. But do you know what the actual number one fear that people have is the fear of being out of control. The fear of being out of control. I'm out of control. Then you start thinking, maybe I'm losing my mind. Or maybe, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe, you know, it's the control thing, you know. And let's remember that God is in control of your life. Come on, somebody. He has the very hairs on your head numbered. And God has a plan for your life. God cares about you and he's watching over you. So you've got to understand that, that God is in control. And sometimes you might feel like you're not in control, but God's still in control. And he's in control of your life. Can you say amen? Now... Now, and the longer you feel that you're out of control, you start thinking, I'm out of control, you know, I'm losing my mind, and you start fearing. Maybe I'm going crazy, maybe I'm insane, and you've got, you know, you've all felt at different times in life that, you know, the things that fear kind of grips your heart or grips your mind, you know, you know, so, and don't accept righteousness this morning, we've all been there, come on somebody, we've all felt that way, and we need to understand that everybody, you know, thinks, you know, sometimes you get a, a wrong thing, a wrong thought that comes into your mind. So let me just, uh, you, you know, put you at ease. You, you, you know, you're not going crazy. You're not going, you know, you're not going insane. You're insane. Things are not going to happen the way you think they're happening. If God's in control, God's in control. Can you say amen? Everybody say God's in control. And I don't need to be. How many of you know sometimes you just feel like you just can't let go of the, the steering wheel, so to speak, of the control of your life. But sometimes God said, just let go and let me take control of your life. And sometimes we just need to let go and let God. Somebody say amen. Mm. 
Uh, you're, you're, you're not, let me, again, let me put you at ease. You're not going crazy because crazy people don't fear that. Crazy people are very happy to, to, to be crazy and, and don't care. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so put your mind at ease, okay? So, you know, just put your mind at ease, all right? So you, you're not going crazy. So, uh, you know, as I think about that, so you're not crazy, and the fear that you're going crazy shows that you're very, very rational, okay? So you need to understand that. So crazy people aren't afraid of being crazy. So I want everybody to say, I'm broken, but I'm not crazy. Say it again. I'm broken, but I'm not crazy. Say it again. I'm broken, but I'm not crazy. And the devil is a liar and the father of him. Can you say amen? He's a liar. Everybody's broken. Everybody has something. Let me just say, on a scale of 1 to 10, everybody in life, I don't care where you're at, on a scale of 1 to 10, you have something in your life that you're probably working on that you don't feel like you're 100% in. And that's okay, but we're growing in God. Somebody say amen. He's still working on me. He's working on you. He's working on all of us. And God is still working on. So everybody's broken. I'm broken. You're broken. Everybody's broken. Nothing is perfect in this world, and you're not crazy, and you're not out of control, okay? So the Bible says that we should not be afraid, but we need to turn to God. So fear has torment, okay? And some of you have financial fears. Some of you have health fears. Some of you have relational fears. And I could go down the list of all the fears that may be coming to you this morning. Fear has, again, a paralyzing effect. And and some of you are battling with that kind of fear even today. you got a fear about something, you know, know, something. And and folks, I'll tell you what, I, I know what fear is all about. I know how it can grab a hold of you. I know how the enemy amplifies everything in your life and makes it bigger than what it really is. Can I get a witness this morning? That's what the enemy does. And you need to understand that. Mm. A few years ago, I, I went with my wife to a doctor's appointment, and she had some breathing disorder, and uh, she had pain in her lungs. And the family doctor immediately sent her to a specialist, and it was kind of a scary thing. And fear began to grab a hold of us both. I mean, it's just fear that comes and grabs a hold of you. How many of you know when the doctor says anything negative, how many of you know you go from 1 to 10 real quick? You know, you got to love, oh, it's cancer, you know. Well, it may be, but it, and it may be treatable, and it may be, you know, but how many of you know we'd go from here to here real quick, boom, boom, and it's like fear grabs a hold of us and grabs us and holds on to us, and it has that paralyzing effect, and some of you this morning, you're going through in your mind about things that fear is grabbing a hold of you, but let me see what the Bible says. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but love, power, help me out, and a sound mind. There we go. We're not crazy. A sound mind. That's what God has given to us. Why? Because sometimes this is where the enemy attacks us right here. He attacks us in the mind. He attacks us mentally and, and emotionally. And, and, and he begins to attack here and it goes, try, what he really wants to do is get down to our heart. So we've got to get that 2 Timothy 1.7. We've got to understand that we've got to realize that God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So if fear is trying to come into our life, come into our home, it's not of God. It's of the devil. Somebody say amen. And you need to not let it in. Can you say amen? Now, that verse can change your life. For the Spirit of God has given us, does not make us fearful or timid. Instead, His Spirit fills us with power and love. And here's the word I want to give you, self-control. Everybody say self-control. 
And again, that word self, we're talking about, the, you know, weapons of self, self-control, that we're in control of things, you know, and the devil wants to make us think that we're not. The more controlled that you are by the Spirit, the more self-controlled you're going to have. So when the Spirit's controlling your life, oh, hallelujah, when you just allow God's Spirit to control your life, you're going to be in control of things. If not, then, then, then panic's going to set in. And a lot of people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. Folks, let me tell you something. You don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? The Holy Spirit is there for you. The church was started in the day of Pentecost. And, 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 and any, and any fundamental uh, you know, denomination will say that it was started on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came. Jesus said, it is expedient that I go away. But if I go away, there's another one that's coming. And, and that one that is coming is going to give you power to overcome these things in your life. Can you say amen? So the Spirit of God, the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said his expedient are profitable. I've got to go away, but there's another one that's coming. You know, you know, he's coming, and he's going to give you power. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. So that, that power, we, we need that power in our lives. A lot of people are afraid of the Holy Spirit, but you don't need to be. It says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And if you're mastered by the master, I can master anything you, you, you throw at me because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ because Christ has given me the Holy Spirit. And again, it's not me. And Paul says, no longer I that liveth, but it helped me out. It's Christ that lives in me. So anything that I'm bragging on, Paul said, it, it's not me, it, but it's Christ in me. It's that spirit of God in me. We can do all things through Christ. Mm, somebody say Amen. So the spirit in me doesn't make me a lunatic or a religious nut. To be filled with the spirit makes me more self-controlled. You know, you know what? when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives you understanding. The Holy Spirit makes you more, uh, you know, relational to, to other people. The Holy Spirit helps you to understand problems. There's times that sometimes I don't know, you know, oh, hallelujah. Had a problem the other day at church, and, you know, I called this one, called that one, and, and, and I thought, you know what I mean? I asked the Lord. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, help me on this. Bingo. Why don't we start there first? Why don't we start there first? I mean, we, do, we try all these other things. You know, and, and, you know, prayer. And somebody said, has it come to that? It really need to start with that. You know, just ask God to be involved in your life. And folks, let me tell you, well, you know, I don't want to trouble God with these little trivial things. He wants you to. I said, he wants you to. He wants to be involved in your life. And, I, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. Now, when you're going down the road, that doesn't mean you close your eyes when you're driving. Come on, somebody. You can still pray with your eyes open. Come on, somebody. But you pray without ceasing. In other words, it means to be a prayer on your lips. Oh, my. Believe me, we need more self-control. And the only way we're going to have that is if we have the Holy Spirit in our life. So the fifth thing that we learned from Romans 8, let's go to that, is the antidote to hopelessness. It's found in verses 17 and 18, and we need to focus on the long term and not the short term. I want you to write that down. Focus on the long term and not the short term. Now, a Harvard University study found out that the more long term your thinking is, the more successful that you're going to be. Now, let me, let me kind of bring that down to you where you can understand that. The short term thinking is more failures you're, you're going to ha have in your life. You're going to fail in life and more short-term thinking. 
Now, what does that look like? Let me explain that, okay? There's only, there's only thinking about today. That's what short-term is. They're thinking about what feels good right now, what can help, help me right now. But the long-term, you think more successful you're going to be in your life. In fact, the long-term thinkers are those who are most successful. As a Christian, we can win hands down because, let me tell you something, we think in real long terms, we think in eternity. Come on, somebody. Because we have eternal life within us. So we, we're thinking long-term in eternal life. So we need to think that way in long terms. You know, how, how many of you know that there's times that we cry out to the Lord and, and, and it just seems like the Lord hasn't answered our prayers when we want him to answer it or at the time that we think he should answer it? And, and, and how many of you know the Bible says, do not be weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap, help me out, if you faint not or lose heart. And many times that's what we do. We lose heart and, and we give up. And that's that short-term thing. We need to, uh, you know, know that God's going to take care of this. And and how he's going to do it, you know, let, let, it, let, let God do that. Leave that up to God. God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm, I'm believing you're going to take care of me. And, folks, I'll tell you, if we would get into that, we would start seeing some healthy things in our lives. Why? Because we're not just thinking about life here on the earth. We're thinking 40, 50 years, or, you know, but we're thinking about, you know, long-term, eternity. And living in light of eternity is the key of being the most successful that you possibly can be. In other words, I'm, I'm thinking long-term. You know what? I know in this life is short, you know. You might live to be 8 or eight or, uh, or 80 or whatever it may be. But let me tell you something. In, in, in light of eternity, anything you live down here is short. Somebody say amen. But eternity, folks, is a long, long time. Eternity is a long, long time. So look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. Let's go there. And it talks about focusing on the long term. It talks about the promises of God. Listen to what it says. Since we are his children, we will possess. Now, I want you to circle the word will. Okay, that's a promise. That's in the future. It's not now. It doesn't say that we, we do possess. We will possess long term. We will. It's out there. Since we are his children, we will possess the blessings he keeps for his family, and we will also possess with Christ what God has kept for him. Notice that. The Bible says that, that when you get to heaven, you're going to get rewarded, okay? And you will be rewarded with how well that you did what you was given here on this earth, okay? So what did you do with your time? What did you do with your money? How, what kind of a steward are you down here? That's what we need to focus on, and that's what we need to put in perspective in our lives. You know, uh, you know those things that, that, that God has given us are time or money or influence or talents, you know, and, and God has put stuff in your hands, and you're to be a, a steward of that, and when you begin to be a steward of that, you can realize and know that there's going to be blessings waiting up for you. The Bible says, give, help me out, and it shall be what? given unto you. And let me tell you something. I, I do believe that there's things that we do down here that we may not get rewarded down here all the time for it. But let me tell you something. You, you, you are laying up treasures in heaven. You know that. The Bible does talk about laying up treasures in heaven. So you know what? Uh, you, you're laying up your treasures in heaven. And God puts stuff in your hand, okay? And not only, but the Bible says that you're going to be rewarded not just for how well you're a good steward you are, but what Jesus did. Uh, did, you know, did you know that what Jesus did for you, you're going to get blessed as well, okay? So let's look at some other scriptures. And I want you to uh, turn with me and, and, and look at the next scripture there if you would. Uh, and it says here that, and also we possess with Christ what Christ has kept for us. Now, we're heirs with God, joint heirs with Jesus. Um, 
in movies, it will say starring this one and then co-starring that. You know, co-starring that, this one, that, you know, think about it like that. We are the co-stars in God's, uh, in God's plan. Can you say amen? We're not the stars. Jesus is. But we are connected to him. And we are the co-stars in what God is doing on planet Earth. So notice this, the rest of the verse. For if we share Christ's suffering, okay, we're joining with him, okay? If we share Christ's suffering, we will also share his, help me out, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So you got the suffering here, and you got the glory over here. Now, everybody wants the glory, but sometimes we don't want the suffering, but, you know, it kind of comes hand in hand. Uh, you know, and, Paul, um, and, and, and notice what Paul says here. I consider that what we suffer at this present time, notice this, cannot be compared. In other words, it's small potatoes, okay? Cannot be compared with all the glory that is going to be revealed to us. He's saying, yes, you know, he's saying, he's saying this. It's not always easy living, you know, for Christ, and doing the right thing. Because sometimes, let me tell you something, folks, it's just a fact. Sometimes when you're living for God and you're doing what's right for Jesus, you know, you're going to suffer in this present world. All them that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer some kind of persecution. It may be verbal. How many of you know there's people in some foreign countries right now that, that because they're a Christian, they, they, they've been abused and they're, they're suffering. And sometimes martyrism, even in the 21st century. Can I get a witness? So there's suffering going on. So if you suffer with him, you're going to have glory with him. Number six, write this down. The sixth habit is to remind myself that God is good and in control. We've got to understand that. We've got to know that God is good and God is in control. This is an application of what the Bible teaches of how God sets me free from self-destruction weapons of bitterness in my life. Now, folks, sometimes, you know, you can either get bitter or better. And some people are bitter. You, you've been around people that's been bitter. How do you overcome bitterness in your life? You know, you, you know you, you, you've got you to look to God. I remind myself that God is good and that God is in control. You know, you, you know, and, and, you know other people's not in control. The devil's not in control. This world's not in control. But God really is in control of my life, and God's in control of your life. If you believe that, say amen. So let's summarize. Look at verse 19 through 25. Paul says, everything in this world is broken. Everything in the world has lost its original purpose. Everything in the world is suffering. Everything in the world is in pain. He says, and everything in this world is frustrated because sin broke it all down. Notice, look at verse 20. This is where we're going. Everything is frustrated. Look at verse 20. Everything created is subject to frustration, waiting to be liberated, set free, okay, from its bondage to decay. All of creation groans in pain like childbirth. We, we groan inwardly. This is tough. This is hard. This is difficult. Life is so hard. How many of you have you said that to yourself? You know, life is hard, and sometimes it is. And sometimes we know that it is. And, and, and why the wacky weather, okay? It's the environment groaning because it's broken. And there's pain, okay? And there's re the relationships are broken. And this world is broken, how many of you know the only solution for this world is Jesus? Can you say amen? And what he offers. And this is what he's offering. He's offering his word, okay? And, and, and later you're going to find out that the Holy Spirit groans in pain uh, in you. There's three groanings in this chapter. He says that the results of living in a broken world is pain, and the results of pain is bitterness, and there's self-destruction, and that's a self-destruction weapon, okay? 
So when I look and I go, you know, you know, he, he's got, a, a, you know, when I look and I go, well, you know, this person's got a better house than I've got. They, they've got a better car than I've got. They've got better things than I had. And, and, and you know, they've got a better job. And, and, and look at their kids. And, and you start comparing and then you start getting envious, and then you start getting jealous, and then and, you know, people hurt you, and then bitterness sets in, and this is what life is all about. If you believe that, say amen. Am I in the right church? This is what happens in life. You say, well, pastor, I've never been there. Now, come on, we're going to give an altar call a little bit. <laughs> we've all been there. It, it, we've all been affected by that. I mean, we've all turned our head and looked and wondered about this or that or the other. Let me tell you something. You know, when you sow a seed, a harvest will come. But let me tell you something. A, a guy doesn't go out and sow, sow a, a seed of uh, corn one day and get a harvest the next day. Can I get a witness? I mean, there's time involved in that. You know, you sow, you grow, and things come back to you. And sometimes, sometimes you know, there's times I'm going along and I'm getting blessed. It's like, man, I'm not even doing anything. God's just blessing me. <laughs> well, it's something I did way back over here. Come on, somebody. And the blessings are coming from something that I sowed a long time ago. And that's where some people get confused. Well, I must be doing the right thing because blessings are coming in my life. Well, you may have sowed some good things before, and now you're getting the blessings and the benefits of that because you've sown, you're growing from the blessing that you've sown uh, way back there. Can I, can I get a witness? And that's what we need to understand. So let me, let's, you know, sometimes life is unfair. Why? Because it's broken. Now, in Romans chapter 8, there's four things you need to remember to get over bitterness. And this is the big, bad Wolf, bitterness that comes in, in one's life. And, and, you know, you've got to get over it, the big bad wolf. Four things. Pain in your life is not optional, but misery is. Write that down. Pain in your life is not optional, but misery is. Okay? You, you look at that. Pain in your life is not optional. Now, you're going to have pain in your life. It's called living. <laughs> it's called breathing. I mean, it's, it's called on this earth, okay? Pain is going to come in your life. We, we, we understand that. So suffering in one's life is not optional. You're, you're going to have suffering. Misery is. Moaning is optional. Bitterness is optional, okay? And, and, and you overcome bitterness by remembering four uh, magnificent truths in Romans chapter 4. I'm going to give them to you. Look at verse 26 and 27. It says this. The Holy Spirit, number one, is praying for me. Now, you know, how many of you believe that prayer works? How, how many of you believe that prayer works better when you're praying the right prayer? How many is here today? How many of you would agree that prayer works better when God's praying for you? See, God's praying for you? Well, the Holy Spirit, he is God. How many, you know, and in that same scripture, it says there sometimes we don't know how to pray. How many of you, how many of you say that you, honestly, would you be honest this morning, take the mask off? How many of you prayed some dumb prayers in your life? Yeah, I prayed for the Cadillac too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Didn't get it. Didn't need it. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and prayed in vain. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you know, it's like. You know, oh, yeah, I'm going to pray for a million-dollar house. Well, keep praying, you know, you know keep praying. But, and that's a prayer. But let me tell you something. If you want the, the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man, help me out, availeth much. Now, what is it? now, think about that. what that looks like. Okay, the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. You go back over here in the Old Testament, you look at Elijah. Now, Elijah, you know, shut up the heavens with his prayers. 
And then when he prayed over here, after three and a half years, he prayed over here, and God sent the rain down, you know. And then that's the scripture that we find out that James is talking about, that the effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So, in other words, when you're in right standing with God, when you pray, God not only hears you, but God can answer those prayers. Can you say amen? Because in your right standing and you're in right, you know, with the Lord, how many of you know you're going to be praying right too? Okay. So I, I said all that to get you here to know that verses 26 and 27, that God is praying for us. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. You, you might write this down. This helps me overcome bitterness because no matter what I'm going through, I know God is on my side and that God's praying for me. Here it is. Here it is. Here's what it says. The Spirit helps me with our weaknesses. Anybody ever been weak? Anybody ever been weak uh, this year? Let me see your hand. You've been weak this year? How about this month? How about today? <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, you know, we have weaknesses, okay? We don't know how to pray as we should. Now, folks, I tell you what, we could tear this out of the Bible and forget about this, but it is in there, okay? And we need to understand there's a reason for it in there, and we, we need to look at it for what it's worth this morning. And I believe God is teaching us something here. So we don't know how to pray as we should. We don't know how to pray as we should. We don't know how to pray as we should. Now look at it. But the Spirit himself speaks to God for us. Again, greater is he that's within you. So sometimes I get down on my knees and I begin to pray. And, and, and really it takes me a while in praying just to get to the place where I know how to pray. Because, you know, it, you, know you get to that place where you've you got all kinds of stinky thinking going on in your head. And you're just not, you know, that's not right. You know, how, you know, how many of you have prayed that God just killed this person over here because get them out of your way, you know? No, 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 no. You, you, you can't pray that way. You say, Pastor, you've been a little facetious. I know I am, but, you know, there's probably a time in your life when you, you know, are you really like to choke someone? How many of you know that's not of God? But we felt that way. And we don't go on our feelings. Aren't you glad that God doesn't have feelings like some of us? Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. So how does God talk to himself? Yes, and you talk to yourself too at times. Come on, somebody. I, I mean, God, you know, I want you to see this. When God talks to himself about you, that's called prayer. The Spirit of God prays for us and even begs God. Notice the scripture. Begs God for us with deep feelings that words cannot explain. God sees what is in our hearts, and the Spirit speaks to God and his people in the way that God wants. So, no matter what you're going through, the first thing you need to know is this, that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. He's praying for you. God is praying for you. And that second thing, write this down. The second thing, God is using it all for good. God is using it all for good. The second thing to remember that in, it, it is using everything in my life for good. Now, now, not everything in my life is good, and not everything that I'm dealing with is good, but God takes those things, sometimes not even the good things, and turns the good things around to make, or the bad things, I should say, the bad things, and turns those around to make good things in my life. So God just turns those things around. It's not good, but he's using it for good. Now, look at the next verse. And one of my favorite in the, in the whole Bible, probably number one scripture. And we know that some things, oh, I missed it. Well, somebody's paying attention this morning. And we know, help me out, that 
all things. In the Greek, you can look up all, it means all. And we know that all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who's been called to his purpose. Notice this, to whose purpose? His purpose, okay? Now, it's not all good, but God is saying it's, it's all for good. Work together for good. So God is greater than in my problems, and God is greater than my enemies, and God is greater than my critics, and God is using all of this, you know, for the good in my life. So here it is. You know, something comes at you in life. You know, sometimes it, it, it may be the enemy throwing something at you. It may be something that you've created your own self. Sometimes we create our own problems. We get into stuff, whatever. You know, oh, it's the devil. No, it wasn't the devil. It was you. You did that, you know, and, 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 but whatever the situation is or whatever comes our way, whatever situation we find ourselves in, it's not all good, but God can use it for good. Everybody said, number three, write this down. I won't belabor the point. God wants me to succeed. Do you know that? God wants you to succeed in life. He doesn't want you to fail in your life. Now, now look what the Bible says, okay, in verse 31. Okay, he doesn't want you to fail in life. God is not against you. You need to understand that. So if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, God is for you. And this is what the Bible says, verse 31. So what can we say about such wonderful things? That's all the stuff that we've talked about. And why do we say about all these wonderful things, okay? If God is for us, help me out, who can be against us? We need to remember that. If God is for us, who can be against us? Remember that. I, I, you know, we're in the family. God is our God, so he's, he's for us. So God wants me to succeed in life. Number four, write this one down. Number four, God will give me what I need. God will give me what I need. When I'm feeling blue and, and I'm feeling bitter, I, I need to remind myself that God is good, that God is in control of my life that the Spirit is praying for me. He's using everything for good, and he wants me to succeed. And look at verse 32. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave us Christ, give us everything else? In other words, he's going to give you what you need in life. Somebody say amen to that. If God loved me enough to give Jesus to me and for Jesus to die on the cross, if he did that, you know, if he loved me enough that he took his only begotten son and he gave his son and, and his son took my place on the cross of Calvary, you know, that's how much he loves me. And if God loves me enough to give Jesus to die on the cross, don't you think he loves me enough to get me out of debt? Don't you think he loves me enough to heal my body? Don't you think he loves me enough to care about the cares that I have in my life and the everyday problems and relational problems that I had that he can help me with those? Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Yes. Uh, don't you think he cares enough? Yes, he does. There is nothing in life that God doesn't care about. If you have a headache, God cares about the headache. God cares about that. So the seventh habit destroys the seventh enemy, which is insecurity. We're going to talk about that. The fact is, when you feel insecure, it really messes up your life. And the worst fear that we have in insecurity is rejection. 
that people are rejecting us. How many of you have ever felt rejection? Let me see your hands. You felt that? You felt rejection? And the insecurity, many of you have experienced rejection. You felt it from your parents. You may have felt, felt it from a sibling, okay? You may have felt it from on the playground. Uh, someone, you know, nothing hurts more than rejection. But one thing I can tell you, that God's never going to reject you if you believe that, say amen. amen. So the seventh habit, write this down. Trust that God will never stop loving me. Trust that God will never stop loving me. Romans 8, 38, 39. Trust that God will never, never stop loving me. I'm in the family. God will never stop loving me. Here's what it says in verse 38, 39. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate me from the love of God. Death can't, life can't, the angels can't, and demons certainly can't. Satan can't separate you from God. Somebody say amen. Our fears for today our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't separate you from God's love. Can you say amen to that? Everybody say nothing. Nothing Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. God loves you with an everlasting love. You say, Pastor, I got up this morning and, 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 and you know, I, I ran into the neighbor's car. I run over a dog coming here. I, I mean, you, you name, go down the line. You, uh, it's not going to keep God from loving you. Now, 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 what you did might be wrong, and what you did, you need to, to make it right. But let me tell you something. God still loves you. Amen. Think about it this way. How many of your parents, let me see your hand, your parents, how many of you know your children sometimes don't do the right thing? Thank you, Scott. (laughs) And I'll say amen to that too, you know. It's like, it doesn't matter how good you do, what it, you know, know, I, I give a slow pitch for my kids to knock it out of the park. Sometimes they just don't even want to hit it. I don't want to do nothing, you know. Trust that God will never stop loving me. But you know what? I love them. It doesn't matter what they do or don't do. My love for them is still the same. Now, I might not love things they do. I might not love some of the actions or some of the choices that they've made. But let me tell you something. I love them, period. Now, if I'm that way, how much more is God? Hmm. Whether we are high above the sky, in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation or ever can separate us from the love of God. You may stop loving God, but he'll never stop loving you. Somebody say amen. You may stop trusting God, but he'll never stop trusting you. You may stop reaching out to God, but he will always reach out to you. And here's the bottom line. Trust and obey. It's the only way. Somebody say amen. You're just trusting God. You know, Trusting God that I cannot see. Trusting God that I believe that he's there. And folks, I'll tell you what. When you start trusting God, and trusting God when you don't feel like it. Trusting God when it just seems like everything's going wrong. Trusting God when it just seems like your life is upside down. But you put your trust in God. Folks, I'm telling you something. When you start doing that, things are going to start turning around in your life. If you believe that, say amen. I'm trusting God. You put your hand in God's hand and say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. You know, 
again, my parents, I, 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 I had a good relationship with my parents. I, I didn't always do the right thing. I was a preacher's kid, you know. And you know what they say about preacher's kids, you know. They say all these things about preacher's kids. But here's the thing. We learned everything we knew from the deacon's kids. <laughs> they educated us. Aren't you glad for forgiveness? <laughs> Aren't you glad that God cares enough that he forgives us? Anybody here made a mistake? Aren't you glad that God doesn't hold that against you and that he forgives you? And Dennis, he wants you to be successful. You know, and there may be times in our lives that we have failed and we've failed miserably and we've just, we've done the wrong thing. We've made poor choices and all those other things. Let me tell you something, God still loves you. Come on, somebody. And he's got a plan for your life. It doesn't, he doesn't stop loving you. He doesn't stop trusting you. He doesn't stop putting things in your hands. Let me tell you something, he'll put a gift in your hands. He'll put a gift in your life. And you say, well, what if you go out and you do something wrong? He doesn't take the gift back. The gift's still in your life. He trusts you. Period. He trusts you. Everybody say he trusts you. And we need to trust him. Can you say amen? Would you get anything out of this today? Put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap. Let's, uh, let's, uh, will you bow your heads? I just want to pray for you this morning. And and, um, I, I just, I know God has some things in store for you, defeating the weapons of self-destruction. And, and folks, we've met the enemy and we've confronted the enemy and it's us. Many times we're the biggest devil that we'll ever fight is because of, you know, these uh, self-destruction, these enemies of self-destruction, these weapons of self-destruction that come our way. You know, shame and, and uncontrolled thoughts and all those other things that try to fill our lives. And what we really need is to be filled with God and the things of God and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need in and through us. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that I know is praying for us right now. And, and God, as I pray for your people, I know that you are praying for them. And, and, and Lord, I know that uh, just like as a parent, I, I know I, I want the best for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. I, I want the best for them. And, Lord, how much more do you want for us and the care that you have for us? Help us, Lord, to hold on, grab a hold of some of these principles that we've laid down this morning. And, God, that, 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 that we look to you, that we trust you, that we put our hand in your hand, that we look to you, and we allow your Holy Spirit to work through us, to help us to be the person that you've called us to be. As every head is bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here this morning, I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you're dealing with something in your life, and maybe you just feel like, you know, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be. And, and, and you know, you may be here. I, I think we're all Christians, but you may be here this morning, and, and you need to either dedicate or rededicate your life to the Lord. I don't want you to leave here this morning without giving you that opportunity. I want to pray for you. I know God is here, and I know God's on your side. I know God wants to turn things around for you. But if you're here this morning, and some of these things, whether it be uncontrolled thoughts or shame that the devil's trying to put on you or the enemy's trying to put on you, these, these, these self-destructive weapons that, that the enemy uses against us. Calvary covers it all, but sometimes we forget and sometimes we don't, you know, we, our, our minds, you know, we don't think it does, but it does. And as long as we can, you know, look to Calvary and accept what God has already done and know that Jesus has paid our debts and, oh, hallelujah. So if you're here this morning 
and you feel like God needs to move in, in your life and you feel like you, you just want to commit your life to the Lord uh, anew or you want to commit one of these areas of your life that maybe you're a weak area. Maybe they've got some bitterness and you need to just turn that over to the Lord and allow the Lord to work in your life and to get the bitterness out. Get not only not to be bitter but to be better today. That's where you are. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Yes, yes, so just take it back down between you and the Lord. God's, their hands are going out. Anybody else? Anyone else? Father, thank you for your word that I know will go forward, forward and not return void. Thank you, Lord, for the word that we've heard today, the scripture that we have read, the scripture, the bread that we've broken today. And, Father, I pray for each and every one that is sitting here that that word would find place in our hearts. And, Lord, that it would drive out bitterness. It would drive out shame. It would drive out uncontrolled thoughts. Lord, we receive that word into our lives. And I just pray your richest blessing upon each and every one we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap. Would you do that?